Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Peter, I believe. Folks, there's been a, a lot of things happened over the past few weeks. And so I'm just I got really several things going through my head this morning. And I might touch on a few of them. But first Peter chapter number one. And uh, verse number 13, and I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost to help me get all of this maybe together and perhaps make sense today. I got two Bibles up here. I got a folder of notes in it, and I got about five cards of notes on them. So surely we can get something out of this. <laughs> it's almost looking like all the pieces that need to be put back together. You're just trying to find the right boat and wash it to go together. <laughs> Amen. We have had a wonderful two and a half or so weeks, 16 days. Um, it's been exhilarating and exhausting all at the same time. A lot of miles, over 2,800 miles traveled, 40 hours driving on the road, three different time zones. But I'm glad to be in God's house this morning. First Peter chapter number 1. And verse number 13, and I'm, I'm going to read a, a few verses here today. And then I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible as well. The Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust, in your ignorance in other words you did that when you were ignorant but now you're aware but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation which basically means life all manner of life because it is written be ye holy for I am holy and if ye call on the father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work Past the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed of corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. If you'll indulge me to also read that out of the Message Bible this morning. It reads like this. So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Christ arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. 
you didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he's also a responsible father. And won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey. You must travel with deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. and This was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately at the end of the ages become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrifice Messiah whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust God and that you know you have a future in God. been kind of playing around in my head this morning really what to call this but um, I'm, I'm going to call it this and hopefully it will fit today and if not that is totally fine with me but I'd like to call it from wonder w-o-n-d-e-r to wonder w-a-n-d-e-r from wonder to wonder from wonder to to wonder Lord Jesus I come to you today and I thank you Lord Jesus for your spirit I pray oh God that you're able to help us in the next little while God I'm, I'm, I'm just going to patiently follow the leading of your spirit here this morning God I'm not in no rush today God I don't have anybody to impress except heaven I pray oh Lord today that you're able to help us in the next few moments God, speak something into our lives. Speak something, Lord Jesus, into our hearts. God, and I will not be dismayed, Lord Jesus, in what you say or what you do. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. And I might be taking stuff down and pulling stuff back up and whatever. You be patient with me, and I'll be patient uh, with you. Amen. From wonder to wonder. This is, this is Peter that's writing these words. And I, I think it's important also that uh, in the book of Colossians that the apostle Paul writes from some very similar words as well along the lines that they had done some things in their ignorance, but now God had called them out of that. And now that they have a recognition and a knowledge of what God asks of us and requires of us, that we need no more slip back into that old frame of life that we had once, that we had once known. Uh, my premise today, really from the New Testament scripture and what the Lord is saying, calls my mind back to the attention of Old Testament scripture in reality ties my mind back to the Old Testament scripture because the Lord is basically telling them through the pen of Peter that he has called them to become a certain people with certain disciplines 
with, with mirroring, if you will, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has called them to that place. And he's admonishing them not to revert back to what they once were. Not to revert back to once, what they once were, but to become everything that God had called them to, to be. What God had desired and wished for them to be. There is a Old Testament scripture in Exodus chapter number 11 and verse number 1. They don't have any of these scriptures up there this morning. So if they get them, they do. If they don't, I hope you have your Bible with you today. But there's an Old Testament scripture in Exodus 11 and verse number 1 that the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And he says, afterwards, he will let you go hence. And when he shall let you go, or when he shall release you, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Meaning that whenever, whenever this last plague would come upon Egypt, that they are going to release the Israelites, and it's going to be the end of Egypt for you all. He releases you. It's going to be the end of Egypt for you all. We know according to the story of the Old Testament that there were a myriad and several plagues that were brought upon the, 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 the Egyptians. This last plague, he said, there's just going to be one more that's going to be brought. And after that, you're going to be released from your bondage that you have been captivated by for years. And basically, that's going to be the end of Egypt for you. And I think that's important. Because the voice of the Lord was speaking that once you're released, if, if, if it isn't emphatically, then it should be the end of Egypt. Should be the end of Egypt for you. God's purpose with the deliverance of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, he says even in his word, wasn't just for the mode of bringing them out of Egypt, but it was to bring them into their promise. It wasn't just to release them or get them out of something, but it was also to bring them into something, bring them into something. And he says, so that's going to be, you're going to be released from them and it's going to be the end of Egypt for you. But as the story would go, as we know, that they would, what would, after they went to the Mount of God and they worship at the Mount of God for several days and the voice of the Lord would finally come and say, you know, you have come past this mountain long enough. It's time for you to go forward, meaning making their journey from the Mount of God to the land of promise. We know according to the word of God, that should have been every bit of just an 11-day journey. 11-day journey. But due to uh, them going into the land, spying out the land, bringing the fruit of the land, uh, surveying the land of what type of people were there, what type of cities were there, uh, they come back and there are 10 that sow discouragement within the hearts of the people. And so the whole nation of Israel does not go into the land of promise. God made a way for Israel to be delivered. He made a way for them to get up out of their Egypt. And he had no intention. I think this is important. God had no intention for Israel ever returning to Egypt. When they were released, that was going to be the end of Egypt for them. The plan was simple. Bring them out of Egypt. Bring them into their land a promise and a journey that literally from the Mount of God to the promised land that would have been 11 days it took 40 years 
to accomplish. Because, now just, just walk with me, and I might not get real excitable today, but uh, there were 12, the, 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 the spies that were sent into the land of Canaan, they went and they experienced what God wanted them to live in. For a number of days, they went and experienced where God wanted them to live. They experienced that land of milk and honey. They experienced the food of the land. Everything that was spoken that was good, they experienced it all. They even brought part of that back to that wilderness setting on the opposite side of Jordan. But they experienced everything where God wanted them to live. And what happened was then the ten that had their evil report of giants being in the land and this and that in the land, it caused discouragement upon the whole group of people so that now, if you really look at it like this, we had 12 individuals that experienced the promise but now was not going to live in the promise. Because what do we have, though, in the wilderness? Let's think about this. God was with them in the wilderness. God brought and had shown forth his arm of strength with signs and miracles in the wilderness. They had a tabernacle. For us today, they had a church in the wilderness. God manifested his presence to them. Pillar of cloud by day. Pillar of fire by night in the wilderness. And they're always moving. They're always moving in that wilderness journey. They're always, and let me state it like this. During those 40 years, they are always endeavoring to move toward the promise. But never inheriting the promise. They are in motion. They are, if I can lean on our theme from this past week at camp, they are in pursuit, but never apprehending. Amen. Never apprehending. And what God pictures for us in Exodus and in the Old Testament word of God that I believe Peter and Paul are even speaking about then in the New Testament is that there were a group of people, particularly the 12, that experienced the wonder the W-O-N-D-E-R, and then became comfortable with the wonder, the W-A-N-D-E-R. They had the experience, but they just didn't live in the experience. And I'm finding in, 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 in my journey of life in the church abroad that there are people that are satisfied for the W-A-N-D, the wondering and not living in the W-O-N-D, the wonder. They've had the experience. They've had the experience. They've ate the land. They've been there. Their feet have touched the land. They just are not going to live in the land. Why? Because they have God's presence in the wilderness, episodes of it. They have signs and wonders that take place in their life. They have a church. They have a church, and they're always moving. Think with me this morning. We oftentimes talk about, you know, circling around in the wilderness. I mean, really, folks, if, something, if it's just an 11-day journey, you're going to go over some of the same land you've been over before. 
you're going to revisit some places that you've been at before in that 40-year period of time. I'd like to state it like this. They were constantly moving, or if you will, vacillating back and forth between being near the promise and further away from Egypt and at times closer to Egypt and further away from the promise. They're in the W.A. They're in the wonder rather than the wonder. Someone say amen. <laughs> they're in that wilderness. They're walking in, in circles. They're, they're near and then they're far. And they're in this wilderness. They're in that place that's in between. They're in the place in between. They're in between where they were and where they need to be. They are in between. They heard about that promise. They tasted that promise. They touched that promise. They smelled that promise. And again, they experienced it, but they're just not living there. If I break it down for us, there are people in churches across America, and I say even here, that has experienced the wonder. They've tasted it. They felt it, they've seen it, but they're not living there. God's purpose for them was not Egypt to wilderness and just experience that wonder. He wanted them to experience the promised land. Not just experience it, but to live there. Now here's the thing. Listen to me. Here's the thing. As long as you have your wilderness experience, you get the perk of his presence, signs, miracles, a church. You get all the perks. But here's the, here's the fact of the matter. You don't have no land. You have no ownership. See, there's a big difference then in just having the experience and living in the land. Because with that, they just had all the perks, but they didn't have no ownership. Someone say amen. And so Moses' plea was this. Then the ten was those that discouraged the nation because they'd experienced it. But they weren't willing to live there. Nope. We'll take God's tabernacle, his church. We'll take his signs, miracles, and his presence. But we're going to waver back and forth between where we were and where we need to be. Because, you know, that seems like to be the best of both worlds. We can lean toward Egypt or we can lean toward the promise. Whatever that day, particularly, we believe is necessary for that day. We can move toward more toward Egypt or more toward the promise, whatever. We warrant that that day necessitates. Someone say amen. amen. Yet whenever they all died in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb. And so the epitaph on their memorial stones is this. They had an isolated experience, but they never had a life of it. Someone say amen. Yeah, he said, when Egypt releases you, said it, it's altogether all done with you. In other words, there, there is, it's not necessary for you to go back to Egypt. Egypt is, it's over for you. Egypt is, that, that's what I desire. And even Peter in the New Testament, he says, whenever, you, whenever I talk about, you know, being holy because God is holy and you're mirroring who he is and what he is in your life and, and you're getting yourself entangled back in things that used to be your old life and you're supposed to have a new life, but you're caught up in the W-A-N-D-E-R, the wonder rather than the wonder. He says, whenever you do all this, he says, I need to call your attention back to something. He said, that release did not come without a price to the Lord. 
The Bible talks about Israel leaving Egypt and they went out with a high hand. Mm -hmm. Amen. They went out with a high hand. The Bible says, if you'll turn there, Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 9. The Bible states these words, verse 9. And it shall be for a sign of thee upon thy hand and for a memorial between thine eyes. Talking about the phylacteries that had the law of God in them. That the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand, he said, hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. That thou shalt therefore keep his ordinance in his season from year to year. He said it was a strong hand of God that brought you out. He said it was with, and, and, and I think this is important this morning. We think about all these different plagues, and every plague was, was positioned against a god of Egypt, okay? Whenever there was the lice and the frogs, all of that was positioned because they served these gods of various animals. All of those were, 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 were leaning toward a god of Egypt. And so when we come to this final, this final plague of the death of the firstborn of the families and the death of the firstborn, even of the livestock, and the prescription that was given for the Passover, amen, and that was going to be the final plague and then they would be released from Egypt remember Moses and, and Moses spoke and told them that they were to select a lamb and they were to keep it for so many days and then slaughter it and it was to be a lamb for a family and the blood that came from the lamb that went in the basin they were to put up on the lintel and up on the doorpost and they were to eat the lamb within their house and they were to eat it with their, their, their shoes on their feet their loins girt staff in their hand because the angel of the Lord the Lord was going to pass by and and if there was blood on the doorpost then the death angel would not enter there but it would be it would be spared but when we come all the way down to it it was it was a lamb that brought the salvation then for a household and the Bible states this in Exodus 12 verses 21 and 23 that whenever they brought Moses brought and Aaron brought the elders of Israel together they basically told them and let me see if I can just read it because I don't want to misquote it uh, Exodus 12 and verse 21 then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them draw out now and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover, he told the elders, he said, you select a lamb for your family. What, what a grave responsibility as heads of their tribes and homes. They were to select a lamb for their house and their family. And so they got to ask themselves the question, what type of a lamb am I going to select? Given the criteria, in order for this thing to work, it's got to be a pure lamb. It's got to be a pure lamb. Uh, does they got to look at that lamb and say, "Does this lamb meet the needs of my family? Does this lamb meet the needs of my family? Is it appropriate? Is the lamb appropriate? Huh? Because it was going to be the slain of this lamb that was going to save their home from needless death." I feel like I'm all over the map. I hope I'm not. I hope this is coming together. I'm asking then us this morning, what type of lamb have you chosen for your family? What, what type of lamb? Because that's the responsibility here. The elders, the responsibility of the household. What type of lamb have you chosen for your family? Is it sufficient? Will it do what is necessary? 
It's, 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 is its blood powerful enough to save you or is it going to surrender you to a death that you should not have to experience? I, I hope I'm speaking, I feel like I'm speaking in Proverbs here today. What I'm saying is this this morning, folks, because whenever that angel of the Lord went through that night and then entered the homes of the Egyptians because there was no blood upon uh, their lintel or doorpost, or let's even consider this. Let's say, and we don't have no record of this scripture. I'm just, this is just presumption. Let's say some even chose a lamb, but it was an unblemished lamb. And they put the blood on their household, but the angel still came in and took over because the lamb that they chose for their home didn't meet the criteria of what God said the lamb needed to be. Because I don't know, Brother Mason, it doesn't tell us. I don't know if there might have been some of them convinced, but they just didn't have all the criteria right. Someone say Amen. And so there's going to be death that night. That's, that's, that's without question. There's going to be death that night. But it shouldn't have to be death for a family that has the right and the appropriate lamb. Amen. There's a needless death that's going to happen of men and of animals. But it shouldn't have to happen if they just took the death of a needed lamb. And so whenever Christ is talking about this whole thing because the New Testament writer talks about then Christ. He was the lamb. And so we'd have the appropriate lamb that got us a release. Everything else up to this point in time didn't get it done. There were promises made by Pharaoh, and then he would, he would back away from the promise of releasing them. But whenever this happened, the release took place, and they were gone from Egypt, and it should not be no more. He says, I want you to think about the what it costs to get you where you are. And what it costs also for the hope that you would live where I desired for you to live. Christ, him him hung high, stretched wide, everything that the Calvary and everything we look at along Easter time. All of that wasn't for you just to meander around in the wonder. It was for you to live in the wonder, the W-O-N-D-E-R. That's right. Come on. It's Thank you, Jesus. Huh? Yeah. Because we have a lot of people, Jesus died for me and Jesus took a crown of thorns. You hear it all, all over the secular world. He died for me. You know, everybody's big on the cross. He died for me and he took, the, the, he took the pain and the shame and he shed blood for me. Amen. Yeah, he did all that, but not just for you to wonder and have your little perk of a miracle here and have a church and have that. No, 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 no. He did that so you could live in the wonder of the experience. Live in it. Live in it. Amen. And living in it goes beyond these four walls. Living in it goes to your home. Living in it goes to all the other concourses of your life and experiences of your life. Living in it. Living in it says, I don't, I don't just have a cloud by day and a fire by night here and there. And there's not just water that flows from a rock here and there and manna from heaven. But I got ownership. Manna from heaven. Gone, right? Gone. It's spoiled. It's gone. It's gone. The Bible says whenever they got into the land of Canaan and they ate the crop of the land that the manna seized. Why? Because it was only supposed to be for a period of time to get them from Egypt to living in the promise. And there's people trying to live off of what God never meant for you to live off of. It was just supposed to help you from transition from where you used to be to where you need to be. 
Someone say amen. So here's something that I, I believe that happens. Why people wonder rather than live in the wonder. And, you know, you've heard at times, you know, there's um, cycles of abuse, cycles of violence. You see somebody that has a violent partner or so and so forth, and they may, they may be beat or it could be verbal. And, and as an outsider, you look at that and you're thinking, why in the world do they put up with this type of stuff, right? You're like, this is crazy. They, they need to get out of this, this relationship. They need to get out. But it seems like, you know, things get bad and then it's just horrific and they, they might have bruises on their body or they've been just totally uh, humiliated with words. And then there's like, boom, you know, like a switch and it's a honeymoon phase. And so, you know, they gravitate back toward that. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of love-hate relationship. Things are really great and then things are bad and things are great. And they say the reason why a person stays in that, that they'll get through the moments of bad because they know there's going to be the honeymoon phase and so they just long for the honeymoon phase they endured the bad just to get to the honeymoon phase and so there's that cycle of violence that happened and you know as an outsider any of us would be like in, why in the world do they even remain in that and how in the world why is it that they stay or what causes them to return to all of that as an outsider looking in I'm saying it's outrageous but I see very similar traits and feelings about Christians who waffle back and forth between becoming a new creature in Christ and remaining the old man that they had been. In these abusive relationships, Brother Fred, they say that there, there are several reasons why one may stay in them, but there were three that kind of jumped out to me concerning the situation. Number one, they have an attachment to the partner. Number two, they have fear of making life changes. Number three, they feel helpless, hopeless, and trapped. Now, those stood out to me. Because I think even people find themselves, it's not a cycle of violence, but it is a cycle, if you will, of not living the new life and trying to live the old life. This cycle that happens even within the church. And the reason why these things happen, I believe, are very similar. The reason why this cycle, this vacillating back and forth in the wilderness is because, and we see it. We see it, folks. We see the people while they're even in the wilderness. You know, what about Egypt? Egypt had some food and we had houses to live in. What While they were still in wilderness trying to go to their promise, they had longings for Egypt. And the reason being is because they still had an attachment to their partner. Amen. They, of course, they had an attachment to their partner. In spite of, we could even state it for Israel, in spite of being abused. Yeah. In spite of being abused. Of course, that was the only life that some of them had known. Some of those Israelites had known. They'd been born, reared, and raised in the land of Egypt. Amen. They, they didn't have any other uh, benchmark, any other standard to be able to compare it with. They had done brick, you know, under the hand of the taskmasters. That was normal life for them, several of them. And so they had an attachment to the partner. But there were others, probably portions of them, as a result of that, that were fearful of making any life changes. Because here's, here's the thing. For someone that's actually in the actual cycle, they're going to have to find somewhere else to live. They're going to have to find a different partner. 
which means different circle of friends. See, beyond the limits of, of Egypt is the unknown. Didn't really maybe know exactly what to expect because it was untraveled terrain for them. But And thinking maybe, can I survive outside of what's been so familiar to me? Can, can I survive outside of what's been so familiar with me? I'm, I'm familiar with this house and I'm familiar with this food. Can I survive outside of what's so familiar to me? People wander in the wilderness because whenever God calls us out of Egypt, there are life changes. And people are afraid of the life changes that are required to get out of the cycle of relationship that they are in in their own life. Because many times it does mean different friends, different lifestyle. New ways of doing things that you wouldn't have done normally. You do differently now. Huh? And then they also combat, they said, feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, and trap. The old saying is perception is reality. Mm -hmm. What that means basically is this. And if we can break it down like this, or the way that I would like to convey it is this. The way that we feel oftentimes is the way that we will act. If you're scared, you will act afraid. If you're angry, you will act angry. Huh? And so if you feel helpless, hopeless, and trapped, you'll act trapped. No. Amen. And whenever you start acting like that, then you're convinced in your own mind there is no way out. I can't do this. Oh, how many times have I heard that? I can't do this, Pastor McGee. I can't do this. I can't live for the Lord the way that the Lord would like for me to live for him. I can't do this. No, that's a feeling that you have that you're expressing as an action in your life. It's just a feeling. Whenever God made that way for them to be delivered, amen, he gave them all the tools necessary to be delivered in that lamb that he provided for them. Can someone say amen? Now, here's, here's, something, here's something important because I don't want anybody to get left out here in left field on all this. Exodus 14, and, and my scripture setting was just kind of a springboard this morning. I know that goes a little bit different than what I normally do. But Exodus 14 and verse 29, the Bible states these words. But the children of Israel walked... Upon dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. The Message Bible, I want to read that out of the Message Bible as well today. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14. And this is just from the Message Bible this morning. It states these words, verse 29. God delivered Israel that day from the oppression of the Egyptians. And Israel looked at the Egyptian dead washed on the shore of the sea and realized the tremendous power that God brought against the Egyptians. Now, what is important is this, that although 
He said, you're released from Egypt and you're done with Egypt. That did not mean Egypt wouldn't pursue them. Okay? He says, henceforth, it's altogether done for you. Your inclination should not be there. That doesn't mean that Egypt is not going to pursue you. As the Message Bible puts it here, they had the oppression of the Egyptians upon their life. Fact of the matter is there's not a place in this world or a time in this world when we're going to be totally out from under the oppression of the devil and our flesh and the world that there are no longer going to be any issues, if you will, of them pursuing of them pursuing us. But God says, I'm going to try to help with some of the oppressiveness of all of that. And for that matter, here he is again. You need to take a holy pause that whenever I, I, I remove or I lighten the oppressiveness of some of these things, you need to take a holy pause and look back at the sea and look up at the dead bodies of the Egyptians that's washing up on the shore. In other words, you need to realize again, this has been by the power of God. That this has taken place. That we are where we are because God remembered us and had a mind that was toward us. The fact of the matter, we are in this world. You, you, we've all seen the, 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 the illustrations of people, you know, tug of war, the little flag that's in the middle or the knots in the middle. And you have this side pulling and you have that side pulling. And, you know, it kind of goes over this way and it goes over that way. And that flag's going back and forth. There's a certain line it's got to meet in order for there to be a winner. Every single one of us this morning, folks, are in that tug of war type of mentality. We are in that tug of war. The Bible speaks of several different, but a couple that I wish to point out. The Bible speaks of a couple of chords, C-O-R. A couple of chords in the scripture. And one of them is found in Proverbs 5.22. In Proverbs 5.22, the writer there in Proverbs, Solomon, he speaks about the chords of sin. The chords of sin. 5.22, it says, His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the chords of his sin. Sin ties and tethers you with cords of sin they have a pull upon you but there's another cord that the bible speaks of amen in hosea 11 and verse number four and in hosea 11 and verse number four the bible states these words i drew them christ said with cords of a man and he gives he gives specification with bands of love so you have the cords of sin that's pulling but you have the cords of love that's pulling on another hand. And so we find ourselves in life, that tug of war between the cords of our old sin and the cords of love and the relationship that God is trying to call us into. Amen. And so we have that fight that's going on. And he says, I'm going to try to lessen the oppressiveness, if you will, of the cords of the sin that are pulling on your life so you can come totally into that relationship that I have for you in my life. Someone say amen. 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 And so from wonder to wonder, simply this, and I'll, I'll come to a close here soon, is that Christ, the gist of it is this, the lamb purpose wasn't to get them in the wilderness. It was to get them in Canaan, the land of promise. And to, to hesitate and long 
and encircle and wander around in the wilderness was to cheapen what the purpose of the lamb was for. Cheapen the intent for what the lamb was for. And it's to bring just a warning to us that we can live with the tabernacle and with signs, miracles, wonders, and manifestations of God. We, we can have those perks and experience those and still and still miss our true calling and purpose, and that is of living in the experience and not having an isolated experience with God. He wants you to live in your promise. Someone say, I want to live there. He wants you to live in your promise. And the provision that he made was for that. It was for that. It wasn't that I'm going to send a deaf angel this night and you do this and all that just to get you out of Egypt, but to get you into your promise, not to be constantly in this area of in-between. We're living below our privilege if we're living in the area of unbelief. We're living below our privilege if we come to an altar, a prayer, we repent, we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're baptized in Jesus' name, we have our experience, we taste of the land, feel of the land and all that, and then go to this place of wandering and vacillating back and forth between being saved, being lost, being lost, being saved, acting like the world, acting like the church, acting like this, going like this. Just no, 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 no. You've cheapened the sacrifice. You've cheapened the sacrifice. It was never God's intent. Don't get caught in the W-A-N-D-E-R. Get caught in the W-O-N-D-E-R. The wonder. If you can stand with me here this morning. I'm sorry, that's kind of all over the map, it seems. I promise I'll try to do better in the future. Why do I, you know, why do we say things like that? Because I observe things like that. You ever went up to somebody and told them, you know, you could be doing better for yourself than what you're doing right now? Ever seen anybody living below? Where they could really could be living. I'm not talking about, you know, fancy cars and all this. I'm just saying they could be doing better for themselves than what they're doing. As a pastor, sometimes I stand up here and I look across my congregation and I see people that could be doing. Living better. Than where they're living. Because it took 12 and 10 that discourage a whole nation of Israel from living being beheld by the W-O-N-D-R, being satisfied with the W-A-N-D-R of wondering. Why? Because the mindset came to this. We've had miracles here. We've had church here. We've had the presence of God here. You know what all that means? Listen, 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 listen. Lean in right here. That means, again, we have all perks, but we have no ownership. Because when you get ownership, then that you have responsibility. You know why some people rent a home rather than purchase a home? Some of it's money, I understand. The reason why, but, but in reality, if you start to think about it, the amount of money you pay for rent over a period of time, you can own something in a few years. If you, but nevertheless, the reason why some people do that, 
because whenever the water heater breaks, they want them to be responsible for this to come and fix it. If it comes with the perks, Brother Fred, if they get their lawn mowed all kind of wrapped up in that, then they don't have to mow the grass. They can live there. They can have water to drink from, a toilet to you. They can have all the perks without the responsibility. Whenever you don't choose to live in the WNDR, you know what? why? Because you want just to wonder because we still got the church and we still got the perks of the miracles and water from a rock, but it doesn't require anything of us. But whenever they got in the land and had their allocation of land and the manna is no more falling, it's because they put a furrow in the ground and they planted seed and they trusted that God would bring the rain from the heaven to put food on their table. It caused them to be responsible. Oh, let's just bow our heads here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I need you, God. God, I pray, oh, Lord, this morning. God, I want to be what you want me to be. God, if you paid such a high price. God, and it was not with corruptible things such as silver and gold that you redeemed mankind, but the precious blood of the Lamb of God to bring me out of a place you did never wanted me to return to, to get me into a place that you longed me to live in. I pray, oh God, I do not want to be caught in the stages of in-between. I don't want to be caught in the stages of in-between. I want, Lord Jesus, to be yours thoroughly, wholly, completely, committed to you oh Lord Jesus today I want to live in the land that you have for me I want to live the life God you have Lord to be as you are God you're holy and I'm holy God because of virtue of my relationship with you this morning oh God Lord touch people Lord today oh but brother McGee we got the tabernacle we got we got manifestations of God we feel God's presence but God you're not wanting us to have an isolated experience you want us to live in that experience God and that means transitioning from manna coming from heaven to us planting seed in the soil and expecting rain to bring bread upon our table I pray oh God today I need you Jesus I need you Jesus God let not people cheapen your sacrifice God by being Lord in the wondering rather than the W-O-N-D-R the wonder Lord Jesus and living in the wonder of it all I pray oh God today God we don't have time Lord to play games we don't have time to be indifferent we don't have time to be complacent we don't have time to be lackadaisical we don't have time to be half hearted I know God that the preaching of that's been happening for years but we don't have time we don't we gotta have the right lamb for the right family we gotta be diligent about our choices and our decisions and our activity we gotta in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus oh
God, I want to be caught in the W-O-N-D-E-R, the wonder. I want to live there. I want to live there. Hallelujah. You guys can sing this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just be mindful of the Lord right here today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.